Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Well, hello there. Welcome and thank you for joining us. It's a privilege to be with you for this next 20 minutes or so and to share with you in our continuing our series of our BLESS series. You've enjoyed, I'm sure, the last few weeks of hearing all the series of BLESS. We've got through from B, which is begin with prayer. L, which was for listening, taking the time to listen to the people around us. E was for eat, the ones that we love the best, missional eating. And today we're on the letter S, which stands for serve. Don't know about you, but recently I've just had a birthday and I've had a great time with all my family and my friends celebrating my birthday. Had some amazing presents and some nice surprises that happened over two days that I celebrated my birthday. But you know, one of the things that really stands out for me is actually the following week I had a friend come to me and said that uh, she'd like to actually do my hair for me and she'd like to colour it for me and so she came along to do my do my hair a shout out to Amy and uh, actually she actually at the end of it said that's a gift that's a birthday present for you and you know that really touched me that really blessed me and uh, if you like my hair shout out to Amy if not I styled it today but you know what it was serving me and giving me that gift of her time of her attention serving is something which can actually move people and have incredible effects and results from it we're going to learn a bit more about serving today you see serving for, for many of us it doesn't come naturally it has to be intentional it's like there's something that has to shift with us that goes against the grain, goes against the natural, and it becomes a bit of a shift in us in order to consider serving rather than being served. I want to tell you a story that happened actually a long time ago in 1894. There was a British physicist uh, named Lord Kelvin, and he took a p- the podium in the, let me read this, the British Association for the Advancement of Science. And at that podium, he was, de- he was having um, a talk and he was giving his announcement of all his findings in physics. And all the gathers or gathered, all these great scientists were there. I wonder whether it would be a great deal of fun. For many of you out there, you would think it was the best place to be. For others, maybe not so. But this Lord Kelvin came with this statement that actually became quite famous for. His statement was that there is nothing new to be discovered in physics. All that remains is more and more precise measurement. Quite an incredible statement. He was saying there's nothing more to be discovered in the world. We just have to keep measuring things more and more accurately. But you know, 11 years later, along came this guy. And he came and he blew that theory out of the water. He discovered relativity. And I don't pretend to understand all the science, but I know that what he brought was a seismic shift, a paradigm shift. It meant that everything that had been believed at that point in physics had to be unlearned and looked at in a whole different way, and it was a 180 degree turn. That's what happens when you have a paradigm shift that all the things that you assumed were going in one direction actually had to be turned around and go into a whole new direction. The field of science was changed forever. You know, scripture records several different world-changing shifts. 
One was when Jesus, last, his last encounter that he had with the disciples at the Passover meal, just before his crucifixion. He knew he was going to be arrested that night. He knew what was going to happen to him. And he knew that the next day he was going to be put to death. What he did that evening in the upper room represented a shift that overturned a lie that had plagued humanity since the Garden of Eden. The lie that says, if you want to be blessed, if you want to be blessed in life, then look out for yourself before anyone else. Jesus knew his position and he knew his authority and he knew his power. And he knew that God had put all things under his authority. And yet what did he do? He took off his garments, his outer garments. He put a towel round his waist and he took off the, all his authority, his crown in many ways, put this towel around his waist and he stooped and he served his disciples. He says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, the son did not come to be served, but to serve. This was the whole principle of Jesus. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. He modeled for us what it meant to actually live a life of prayer, to live a life listening and eating with the sinners and the down and outs. You know, there's a good chance that you may discover that you can be the best person that God has called us to be when you walk this process of prayer, listening, eating, and serving the people around you. We love this concept of bless because ultimately we want to help people be brought back to God. And this process of bless has been used throughout the world and it's helping people to help people discover God once and for all. This week, we're gonna be looking a little bit more how Jesus served those disciples and how he did it and how we can learn from him. You see, first thing that Jesus did, if we were to serve like he served, he did something very unexpected. It was very unexpected what he did. Let's read the story in John chapter 13, verses three to five. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Can you imagine it? Do we understand the significance of what was happening in that room right then? Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the sustainer of life, the creator of life, stooping down to serve. Stooping down. There's no higher power. There's no one who is more worthy of worship or worthy of being served than Jesus. And yet he was prepared to stoop and he was prepared to serve. You know, even if you knew the room, you were in the room right then, you wouldn't have quite understood what was happening. You wouldn't have quite understood the dynamic of what was happening. Maybe you saw Jesus as a teacher or a rabbi, but you didn't quite comprehend that the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings was stooping and bowing and serving in that way. You know, your feet would have been the most dirtiest, dirtiest parts of the body at that time. Often there was no um, sandals being worn. There were bare feet. The feel the 
streets would have been full of filth, would have been animals walking around. They really would have been stinky, stinky feet. I mean, I don't like feet at the best of times. I don't know about you, but to actually to bow down and to serve people by washing their feet, which obviously was a tradition that was needed to be done before the meal was served, or often they realized that they realized that the feet hadn't been washed. So Jesus took it upon himself to serve, to wash the feet. But can you imagine those smelly, stinky, bony feet being washed by Jesus? One of my birthday gifts this year was actual um, a, a pedicure kit. Now that's more my style. I haven't even actually offered to give anybody a pedicure with my pedicure kit. But you know, that's more like what I'm going to be involved in. But imagine actually stooping down and washing the disciples' feet. Can you imagine the awkwardness that would have been surrounding them? Their chief leader was bowing down and washing feet. It was an honor and shame culture. Protecting your reputation is what you did. It was critically important. And so your honor was like your credit rating. The higher your honor score, the more privilege and prestige you enjoyed. If you had high honor, serve a high honor score, people served you and expected to serve you. Washing feet in a public way like that, like that would have been one way to tank your credit score for sure. Why would Jesus respond? How did Jesus respond to these disciples? And not only that, how did the disciples themselves respond to Jesus' act? Jesus resp uh, Peter's response here, he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. I wonder if you've ever had anyone in your house that you've admired. Somebody that feels really important to you and they do something for you that just, just goes against the grain because they don't, you don't want them to serve you in that way. I remember many years back when we were in the Wirral that we had a visitor that was going to come to our house. We had a, a fairly new home and uh, we'd done it all out and everything. We'd got it all ready. It was all spick and span. It, one of our leaders of our network was going to come and visit. And we even got to the point where we decided that we needed to redecorate the bathroom just in case they needed a tinkle. And if they needed that, then the bathroom had to be looking good. So everywhere was spick and span. Everything was ready for this great visitor that was coming to our house. Our three-year-old son, Josh, at that time, two days before the visitor arrived, decided that he would do a little bit of artwork with his crayons on the lounge wall. No! Don't do it! No! It was too late, and it was too late to redecorate. There was nothing more that we could do. We decided that we'd just have to tell him that our son was very creative, and that's what had happened just before he arrived. We were disappointed, but hey, he never even, I know what you're going to ask, did he go and visit the bathroom? He never even went to visit the bathroom that we'd got certainly prepared for him and sorted. But can you imagine if he had? And then he started scrubbing it and then started getting the hoover out, then started dusting and sorting the house out. We would not feel comfortable with our special guest to come to our home and actually take on chores of the household. I wonder if that's a little bit what Peter felt, only a thousand times worse. You see, Jesus then replied to Peter and said, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. 
Peter's so extreme, isn't he? No, don't wash me. Okay, if you have to wash me, do all of me as well. If those of you followed Life Thrive, I reckon he was very yellow. He was acting wanting from one extreme to another. He didn't want to disappoint Jesus. Amazingly, Jesus, a few hours from the crucifixion, where he would, he'd be stripped and humiliated, where he would give up his crown, not for a towel, but for a cross. He would carry the full weight of sins and wash us once and for all from our sins. He would give us grace and we would be clean forever, restored to right relationship with God. Jesus was choosing in his final act to wash feet. This wasn't just a kind gesture. It was meant to catalyze a movement. It was a paradigm shift in order to bless others than you need to serve. The story continues. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I'm your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I would love to have been a fly in the wall or maybe one of the disciples when Jesus was sharing like them. When he said, do you understand what I've done for you? I probably would have done what I often do when I'm in a situation where I want to understand and I want to show people that I, well, I'm interested, I'm trying to understand. I don't really understand, but I'm thinking and I'm listening and I go, hmm, hmm, yes, hmm. I'm trying to understand and trying to under uh, get behind what the words are being said. Jesus is saying, do you understand? Do you understand now what I've done? You might not uh, understand it right now, but you understand it later. But I guess really the message is pretty slim, simple and pretty clear. It's now our turn to serve. He's served us, now it's our turn to serve one another. It's time to set aside self-made privileges, self-expectations, Turn aside the way that society tells us you have to be served when you're great and powerful and wealthy. Everybody else can just do what you bid them to do. It's turning it on its head and saying, I've done this for you and now it's your turn to serve. Is it the natural way of thinking? I think not. How many of us have walked past the dishwasher with our dishes and put our dishes in the sink rather than the dishwasher because we'd have to empty the dishwasher before we could actually put the dirty washes inside. Or how many of you have walked past the bins that are overflowing because it's not my job to empty the bin? Or we've walked past the basket of washing that's at the base of the stairs and almost broken our legs as we're trying to step over it because it's not my job to carry the washing basket up the stairs. How many of you, how many of us have walked past opportunities to serve the people around us? I'm sure we've all done it. I'm sure we all will do it in the future. We've looked the other way when there's been an opportunity to serve. And that's why it's a paradigm shift. That's why Jesus was saying, this is not natural, but this is the way that I want you to live. Jesus gave us another example of when he healed a man in the streets as he was walking by. We can find it in Mark 7, 
verse 31 to 37. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Apparapha, which means be opened. At this the man's ear was opened, his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said, and even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. I believe that Jesus really wants us to serve as he has served. And we can learn from this story here how he served this deaf man who could hardly speak. He served, first of all, with proximity. He was close to the man. You see, our mission lies wherever our feet take us. We often want to do something big and bold and something that can be highlighted and measured. But, you know, you really just have to start where you are and start with the people around you. Start with the people nearby you. Start where we live, where we work, where we play. Maybe start with our family. Start with the people we are closest to. It's true that sometimes God sends us to certain people to serve them. And at times, people, God brings people into our world. But that also is an opportunity for us to actually serve them, not only when they come to us, but also we can see the people that are nearby us. Serve with proximity. Your heart to serve will grow if you know the individual and you are in their world. You know, this last year, it's been a great opportunity to be able to serve the neighbours around us. Our Christmas hampers last year was a, a real opportunity to serve. I decided to take the opportunity to serve the neighbours a few doors away from me. In fact, I live near to the people. They only just live very near to me and a few doors away. I'll tell you a bit more about what happened in a moment. See, the second thing I want to go on to that Jesus did, he served personally. Jesus took him aside from the attention of the crowd. I believe that Jesus realised this man's particular challenge and refused to make a spectacle of his condition. I wonder with him growing up being deaf and with a speech impediment that he probably knew what it was like to be, have a lot of attention that he didn't really want and to be ridiculed maybe through life. But Jesus took him to, us to the side. He served him personally of what that guy really needed personally for him. He served him with dignity and in a way that showed that he understood his condition and understood what he needed. And so he took, drew him to one side. We can often assume that we know what people's needs are, but if we take the time to know them and to understand their worlds, we can serve them much more personally. I take you back to Christmas 2020. As a church, we were giving out boxes of hampers, and but we were also giving out boxes of salad and food and vegetables that a farmer in Ely had given to us. We don't only just had a few boxes to give out, we had about 424 boxes to give out. And they were giving out to all the people that were involved, um, coming to the, the shop and coming to the hub, and even on the Sunday services, we're giving out boxes of fruit and vegetables. And we're getting closer and closer to Christmas, and these boxes needed to be given out, and the food needed to be distributed. 
And so again, I decided that my neighbors might be able to uh, benefit from this. So I took three boxes. I have three neighbors in our cul-de-sac. I'm close to two of the neighbors and know them pretty well. I knocked on the door, greeted with them, gave them the boxes and told them that, you know, this farmer wanted the, the community to be blessed by this food and would they receive it and would they enjoy it over the Christmas time. They were very happy to. We were asked whether there were other people that needed it more. If not, they were very happy to receive these boxes. You see, it was the 23rd of December. We didn't want it to go to waste. We wanted people to use it. But then I'd given my two boxes out. They were gratefully received and I had my third box. Well, the third neighbor, well, Put it frankly, Steve and I are a little bit afraid of this third neighbour, and so are the others. And I debated, do I give this box to my third neighbour or do I not? Do I knock on the door and risk being told that they don't want it or that it was a daft idea? And so I did what every good pastor should do. And I turned round the corner and decided I'd give it to a neighbour round the corner who I knew was going to be growing more grateful than the third neighbour. She didn't reject me. In fact, I knocked on the door and there was nobody in. And I knocked again and there was no reply. So I left the box on the doorstep. I went back home. It was close to Christmas, getting all my festivities, all things prepared, and I actually forgot to put a note through the door or to put a message on Facebook. The next day, I realised, or that evening, I realised there were some comments going around our village Facebook group. And the comments were, does anybody know who has left this box of fruit and vegetables? Does anybody, has anybody lost a box of fruit and vegetables or is waiting for a delivery and it hasn't come? And then the conversation carried on, oh yes, I'm expecting the delivery and it hasn't turned up. Maybe it's my box of fruit and vegetables. And the discussion was going on on this Facebook group. And somebody else of one of my neighbours that's close to me came and said, maybe it was from Angie Campbell from the C3 Church because she's been giving out boxes of fruit and vegetables today. And so the comments carried on and continued until I, I fessed up and said, oh yes, it was me. But by this time, the, she'd offered her box of fruit and vegetables to the lady who hadn't had the box of fruit and vegetables turn up. And so I contacted her and said, I'm really sorry, I'll get you another box of fruit and vegetables so you can have a gift, as well as the neighbour who she'd planned for her to come and collect it that next day. Oh. I tried. I thought that I was doing a good thing. I was going out to my neighbours. I was wanting to bless them. I was wanting to serve them in, way, in some way. But you know what? I probably didn't get personal enough and actually put that note in the box. Jesus not only served approximately, he served personally. And the third thing that Jesus did, he served powerfully. Healing came to that man who was deaf with a speech impediment. You see, Jesus says, his power is with us. He even says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and then will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. We mustn't forget that God is a powerful God. And when we begin with prayer, listen to people, eat with people, serve people, then we can't expect God to do miraculous things. Sometimes we won't get it right. Like me, I didn't get it right, but I gave it a go. And you know, I believe God has used that and will continue to use it. But sometimes 
it goes really, really well. And sometimes God moves in a powerful way when we're prepared to serve the people around us. Take a listen to this video and thank you for listening this morning. Today I am here with Lucy. Lucy's part of our Cambridge congregation, a C3 group leader, which I love. And you've got an awesome story about serving someone in your community and the impact that that has had on them. Yeah, so I've been friends with Loxy since our children were at preschool together. And they were both in reception class when the first lockdown was announced. But Loxy's daughter had a cough and so they went into quarantine a little bit early. And this was back before we knew how to do quarantine properly. Sure. <laughs> and you couldn't get a food delivery for love nor money. And she just couldn't get any food. Um, and I needed something to do with the kids, so I would occasionally text her and say, hey, you know, I'm just popping to the shops, do you want something? And get a few bits to her. And it was a great way to kill the day, to take the kids and drop off some food. But I hadn't heard from her for a little while, and I came into possession of a C3 food hamper. And I thought, who could I give this to? And my husband, Mike, said, well, what about Loxie? And I thought, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if she needs any food or not. I haven't heard from her in a while, but I'll, I'll take it over and see. So I wrote a little note that said, you know, it was from C3 um, and we cared about her. Um, and this was, you know, some food for her and her family and dropped it off on the doorstep about eight o'clock at night uh, with the note and um, made sure she'd got, got it before I left. <laughs> Yeah, and, um, and left. And I got a message from her, and it turned out that her and her husband had four days left of their quarantine, wow. and they didn't have enough food, and they didn't know how they were going to get enough food Amazing. to last them. And they were literally planning meals and trying to figure it out, and this food was a miracle wow. that had arrived on their doorstep. That's so great. Um, and, yeah, they were absolutely amazed. And I remember Loxie saying, and she posted something on Facebook as well, saying how, like, she felt so blessed. Yeah. by the church and she'd never ever forget what C3 had done for her. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, such a great story. And what I love is the way we've been talking in this series all about beginning with prayer, listening, eating, now we get into serving, but how you'd establish that relationship. And so you knew a little bit of their needs even from early on when they first went into quarantine because you built a bit of a relationship there. How did you first establish that relationship? Was that a school gate type relationship that you built yeah. up? Yeah, so they were at preschool together and then they were That's at school great. together and we'd, we'd chat on the school gate. That's so cool. That's so great. And then from that, you're able to hear God's prompting, I guess, and then meet that need, which was a miracle for them. What's been the outcome of that, that act of serving Loxie? Well, Alpha then started online quite soon after, and that was the first online Alpha that we'd done as a church. And normally, my husband would be physically serving at Alpha here in the building. So I wouldn't be able to go because someone's sure. got to stay home with the children. But it was online. Um, and again, my husband said to me, why don't you invite Loxie along to Alpha? Right. And I thought, sure, why not? You know, what else are we doing with our evenings during lockdown right. other than on Zoom calls? <laughs> so totally. I invited her along and she came and she came to Alpha and she really enjoyed it. Um, and at the end of the Alpha course, she, she obviously wasn't done. She, she was hungry for some more. And because we were already friends, I felt comfortable inviting her to our Connect group. 
very similar setup, you know, just one Zoom call to another, come join our Connect Group Zoom call and, and carry on the story, which is what she did. So she came along um, and a little while later she mentioned something about a prayer. And Mike and I were like, oh, oh, she's, she's prayed the prayer. So we, we tried not to make a big deal out of it at the yeah. time. Dancing but, in the background. Yeah, afterwards. but they, the next week we sort of came back to it, revisited it, and we were like, was that the prayer of commitment and she was like yeah i've become a christian and we made sure everybody just went crazy cheering and whooping and oh such an incredible moment to hear that she committed her life to jesus that's so amazing oh so great yeah what would you say to someone else then who may be thinking about how they can serve someone they know a built relationship with maybe they're feeling a little bit like Intimidate, like, oh, what should I do? How should I take this step? How would you encourage them? Just go for it. You don't know what people's needs are. And particularly when it comes to asking for help, asking for food, uh, you know, there's more practical needs. People are not inclined to ask. They don't really want to admit that sure. they need help. Um, and quite often, will refuse the first offer or two but just keep persisting and just think if it was me what would i need right now um and just just keep going the worst they can do is say no so just ask and offer and if you are going to leave something anonymous leave a note um you know if you just if you just want to leave it on the doorstep (laughs) make sure they know who it's from and why um but yeah just go for it so great and you never know what transformation is going to come as a result of that? I mean, how amazing that a relationship led to meeting a need, led to connection that was coming, engaging with church, engaging with a, a connect group, a C3 group, mm. and a life transformed for Jesus, right? How amazing. Yeah. Well, she's is one that? of our most committed connect group members. She's been bringing her kids along to kids' church online. Um, and at the beginning of this year, another lady joined our group who it turns out they both have a mutual friend. So they, they've joined our connect group online, so they've never met each other. But through that relationship, we've then started our own alpha course. So Loxie's now doing another alpha with us, and we've got some other ladies come along who aren't Christians, um, and some who are sort of early exploring Christians, and, and we're currently doing alpha now as well. Oh, so amazing. Yeah. Wow, what exponential impact just from starting to be something small and that God has used that. Such a great testimony. Thanks so much, Lucy. I think that's such an inspiration for us all in how we can serve people that we've built relationship with and share the love of God with our neighbour. Wow. What a great story there. And... Um, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I'm so proud of Lucy as well. Just fantastic to see people within C3, you know, the difference that you're able to go out and make in other people's lives. Um, So I hope you're as inspired by that message and that story as me. And right now you might be saying, hey, but I'm not a Christian. I've never made that decision or I made that decision years ago and, you know, it's not really been a priority in my life. Um, And we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to this message, to pray that prayer. It's not as scary as she makes it sound, but it's big. Um, And just before we do that, I just want to share a little, uh, a few verses of scripture. It's from Romans 5, 18 to 21. And it says this, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. 
but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person, Jesus, obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. There was always more grace than there was sin as a result of what Jesus did on the cross for us. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead. I'm thankful for that today. I don't know about you. Giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So right now we're going to pray a prayer. I'm just going to ask everyone, if you're online, in your lounge, if you're in this room, if you've made that decision before, we're all still going to pray alongside people praying it for the first time. At the end, there's going to be an opportunity to respond. If you're in the room, no one else will be looking, but we're going to ask you, put your hand up. Let us know. We want to do this journey with you. If you're online, put it in the comments. There's also going to be a great decision link. Let us know. We want to walk alongside you. So with all, eyes, with all heads bowed and, and eyes closed, let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, today I choose to follow you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising again three days later so that I can live in relationship with you. Today I choose to turn away from a life of self-centered living. From this day forward, I choose to make you Lord and leader of my life. Amen. So with all heads still bowed and the eyes shut, this is your moment to respond. Put your hand up. Put it in the comments. We're so proud of you. If you're making this decision today or if you're coming back, we're so, so proud of you. Thank you, Lord. We're now just going to go into a, a final song led by Byron and the team. And uh, I don't know about you, but Lucy's inspired me for this week. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.